Hello, friends, and welcome to another Brew Theology Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Miller, and on today's episode, we continue the conversation with Rabbi Stephen Booth Nadav. If you were with us in part one, you realize that when we had this conversation, about 40 minutes into it, we hadn't even touched on awe and wonder channeling Abraham Joshua Heschel. And that's the beauty of podcasting. When you press record, you never know what you're going to get. And so I realized to myself in this room, sitting with my friends, Brian and Janelle, Liz, Shoshana, and Adam, we're soaking in all this goodness, all this wisdom, all this beauty. And rarely do you get moments like this when you think to yourself, we are in a sweet place. So I really hope that not only did you enjoy part one, but that part two you will fully dig into the mystery of awe, the divine, whatever you want to call it, because we're digging straight into Heschel's work from the book, God in Search of Man, How Awe Precedes Faith. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and give us a rating. Five star would be nice. A little sweet review would be also pretty spectacular. Make sure you go on Facebook at Brew Theology, Instagram at Brew Theology, follow us there, and on Twitter, Brew underscore Theology. Make sure you also go to www.brewtheology.org. The website is up and running. If you would like to start a Brew Theology community in your city or town or suburb, wherever that may be, please contact us because we are ready to rock and roll. Peace, guys. Enjoy the episode. So let's move backward from the names of God, faith, belief, creeds, to awe, A-W-E, awe, awesome, a little bit of wonder here, and I'd love for you to define this, and we'll uh, we'll start off with the, the quote you have for, from Heschel's God in Search of Man, mm-hmm. and Heschel says this, awe precedes faith, it is at the root of faith. We must grow in awe in order to reach faith. We must be guided by awe to be worthy of faith. Awe, rather than faith, is the cardinal attitude of the religious Jew. So if you thought I'm radical... (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) So define awe and unpack a bit of how you experience that and what that looks like in your world. Well... First, I want to highlight what you just read, which is the last of the quotes that that we shared. Um, The the radical nature of this idea that awe precedes faith. It's the root of faith. You have to start there to get to faith. So it's another way of saying what we've been saying all night, that there's, there's a deeper connection to a deeper truth that really needs to be the roots, getting back to um, uh, Parker Palmer, to get to the roots of what faith is about. Because otherwise, faith becomes a be-all, end-all. And we forget that faith is not, you know, I, I always, I say, I, I kind of like saying to Jewish people, um, uh, it's not about Judaism. 
It's not about building synagogues and, 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 and building up the institution of Judaism. That is not the goal of Judaism. Those things have, are, are important and have value, but don't forget the goal is God. The goal is not the, the you know, if Judaism, um, my friend and teacher Rabbi Rami Shapiro many years ago said, you know what, if Judaism becomes irrelevant and no longer makes, us, makes a significant difference in our lives and the world, we should put it in a museum case and say the Kaddish on it, you know, the mourners, the, the prayer for mourning on it, you know, and, and Jews will go off into the world and do good things and that'll be fine. Very radical thing, he said. Um, but it's, it needs to be making a difference in the world. So I would say it makes a difference in the world when we're, when we're pointing, whether you call it that deeper truth, that's that, that living water in the roots, whether you call it awe. Awe is deeper than religion. Experience the awe and then maybe use religion to channel it. Another problem is that, you know, here in Colorado, we can get into awe Every day, just look at the mountains, go up to the mountains. You know, it's like, for me anyway, just be outdoors and you can experience awe. Is that enough? As a religious person, I would say no, it's not. It's the beginning of the path, but it's not the end place. So what Heschel's also saying, I think, is start there because otherwise you start thinking that it's about the religion. It's not. It's about God. But then, yeah, spiritual communities are places to come together and make a real difference in the world. Us together can make a much bigger difference in the world than me alone. Um, we also create traditions that, that are a place you can pack in the teachings that you can pass on to the next generation so it continues to have an effect in the world. So there's a tremendous value to religion, um, but it's not the goal. Um, so what is... I'm sorry? No, no I didn't say it. So what is awe... Um, I, I, I want to go back to one of the other quote, the first quote of our list, um, which says also, also um, from the same book, God in Search of Man, awareness of the divine, so awareness of God, begins with wonder. It is the result of what, he says man, but you know, what a person does with their higher incomprehension. So we think about that. We talked about that last week. What do we, what is, what's, what's my higher incomprehension? What a bizarre idea. And we talked last week about people's experiences of, wow, of awe and wonder, of seeing something, experiencing something, feeling something that took them outside of themselves, that they could not quite describe. People tr around the room last week tried to describe it, and, and, it, was, and, and it was great because we got lots of approximations. But you can't quite describe it. You experience that thing. Okay, so, so wonder and awe. It's like, so instead of just trying to encapsulate it and you know, describe it, if we can just sit back and go, okay, that's it. I'm experiencing it. That's it. What do we do with that? Um, and he says, the greatest hindrance to such awareness is our adjustment to conventional notions to mental cliches. And we talked last time about we all want to, no, not all of us, but lots of us want to come up with, you know, some intellectual description that somehow we can put on this. And Heschel's sort of underhandedly saying anything you put on that is a cliche. It, do, it doesn't get there. And then he's, he's known for this idea of radical amazement. Wonder or radical amazement. The state of maladjustment to words and notions is therefore 
a prerequisite for an authentic awareness of that which is. And what is that which is? I think he would, I would draw the, on my notes, I had an arrow going back to the top. Awareness of the divine. The divine. That's what is. In, in Hasidic tradition, we sometimes talk about that there's nothing but God. In Deuteronomy, it says, Ain od mil vado, there's nothing but God. We're all in God. We're all in God. So awareness of where we are right now. We're sitting in God right now. We're all sitting in God. So when you say, what is awe? Can't just, I can't give it an exact... I certainly can't do better than Heschel. I can't do anywhere near as good as Heschel. You just said we're sitting in God. That's pretty... I'm still sitting in on that thought. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, but so imagine... Yes, that... Right, but if you... Yes, if you sit on that thought, we're sitting in God, and allow yourself to just try to feel a smidgen of what that feels like, then... Now you have a sense of what awe is. And it opens, and again, in my way of thinking about truth, it opens me to a greater truth that we are all in, that our religions, I say, are bad if they are dividing us. Mm. It's, we are all in that space. So awe is that which connects us. Awe is that maim chaim, that living water that feeds through all of our roots. Awe naturally arises, I would say, when we get quiet and just listen inside. Or as I said last week, as Martin Buber said, awe is what arises when we are fully present with each other or in nature. Or anybody here um, have a creative activity that you do? We all do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, an artist of any kind? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when you're, when you're creating something... It's a, you know, you, to, to, I, I don't know, I'm not a painter, but whoever painted that painting, for example, had to, had to be sitting back and going. And I, and I know this person. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Kara. Kara Harges. Yeah. You better be listening to the podcast. Yeah, she's one of my best friends. Cool. Well, it'll be interesting to ask her about her process. So another way to access this stuff is to talk to artists. Not all artists can articulate it, but what's it like to sit back? Like, does that look like anything in my neatly defined boxed world no but that opens me to other possibilities and so whoever painted that must have been open to other possibilities of reality so i had to take a picture okay <laughs> i think that's so it's so it's the same experience as you have by the way again for like as, as i said last week i have to be in nature regularly um, and I and I certainly have that experience in nature. Can I tell you about a little awe experience I yes, had just please. last Sunday night? Um, uh, my mother's been going through a very hard time in the hospital for the last ten days, um, and I've so other than doing lots of yoga and and meditation, I've run out to Red Rocks to just go hiking for when I could. Um, and I started a hike last Sunday at four fifteen in the afternoon. Which is nuts. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost dark. <laughs> and I don't normally do that, but I know this trail super well, and and I just and I, you know, I, I'm a trained wilderness guide, so I know what I'm doing, and I also knew there was some risk involved, but I had with me the equipment I needed to deal with it. Anyway, so I'm coming down. I, I climb up to, to this mesa, the fastest I've ever climbed up, and I, and, you know, lots of cool things happen. And coming down, it started to really get dark. 
not too dark that I needed a flashlight, but it started to get dark. And, I, and I've hiked that trail hundreds of times. I've never done it in that, at that light. And there was something about it getting dark that just changed everything. Everything was quieter than usual. Um, I noticed a sense of fear in me, which I thought was, okay, there's my fear. I know I have my fears of the dark, my fears of being alone and lost or something happening in the, in the woods, you know. And I'm like a mile from my car. It's like no big deal. But, um, but I noticed the fear coming up. And then I could just sort of breathe through it and keep walking and noticing the fear. I don't know. It was just, not, it was an, I just was, but so here's the thing. In Hebrew, the word for awe is your ah. Your ah is usually translated as fear. So I'm not usually experienced my fear and awe that way in the same moment, but I was afraid and in awe. And, and for me, putting myself in nature is, an, is, is one of the best ways to have that kind of experience. And it's like, okay, so who am I going to trust here? <laughs> well, I hope I'm trusting myself. I hope I'm being intelligent. And can I trust God right now? Can I trust that God's with me and nothing's going to happen? And, and part of why this was so amazing for me was this, it's like, it wasn't so dark I couldn't see the trail. I had a flashlight with me if I needed it. <laughs> and it's a really wide trail with no branches off. I could not get lost on this trail. But I still felt the fear. And I used it for myself to, to challenge me because I, I, do, I do have to challenge myself. Can you feel God right now too? Um, so that, that sort of goes to the, the second quote that we have from Heschel here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll just read the first couple of sentences because I'm curious. Uh, It says, as civilization advances, the sense of wonder declines. Such decline is an alarming symptom of our state of mind. And then it goes on to say, mankind will not perish for want of information, but only for want of appreciation. The beginning of our happiness lies in the understanding that life without wonder is not worth living. What we lack is not a will to believe, but a will to wonder. And you know, one of the things that hit me uh, in in reading this quote and kind of you know sitting with it for a little bit is when when Heschel talks about civilization, you know, sense of wonder declining as a result of um, you know information and technology and all those sorts of things, which I find interesting. Um, but the 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 question that I have, or sort of the the discussion point, would be. You know, in in even secular society, um, you you do have these uh, these figures like Carl Sagan or, or Neil deGrasse Tyson who would would actually say, no, no, no. The more we find out, the more we realize what we don't know, and that is amazing. And and I, you know, I I think that. Um, you know, faith traditions can learn a lot from secularism in that sort of way um, to say, to say, no, our universe is completely beyond our comprehension. And the reason that I was thinking of this when you were talking a minute ago is just kind of that, that fear in the darkness. And that is, um, that's like what I get a, a lot out of from Heschel is this just um, realization of, the incomprehension of 
of the universe and of our lives in relation to the universe. And so I, I wonder if you could just kind of talk about those, those things a little bit, like, you know, where we sit in relation to, um, you know, the, the physical reality of, of life, but also that the physical reality of life could be something that is totally beyond what we can comprehend. It's a little incomprehensible to me that there's lots of people out there who want to hear us talking about this stuff. <laughs> I think that's very cool. Um, but I think you hit on a really important thing at the end there about um, Heschel's trying to help us sort of get a handle on, and this isn't exactly what you said, but I was like, getting get a handle on that incomprehensible stuff. And I think what he's saying is, is that by trying to make everything understandable and artic- we, that we can articulate, we lose something. There's this incomprehensible stuff out there. And so we're not going to comprehend it in our usual ways. We've got to figure out other ways to do that. And he's, in his language, he's saying wonder and awe is how we do that. We do that by feeling it, noticing it, opening ourselves to it, and do not try to put it in a rational box. So, um, but you raise a really good point. Um, I don't think, now, and you got to remember, he wrote this, what, 1955, I think? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, what, who knows what he was thinking about in terms of uh, uh, technology and what, you know, what we're thinking of, of in, you know, information. Right. Um, the television. You know, <laughs> You the television know, and the radio. That and telephones. And, I mean, you know, all of a sudden, we're, in 1955, we would have been intensely connected mm-hmm. with one another. You know, and all of a way. sudden, you know, you have the UN, and all of a sudden, you know, we're, nice. all, we're all in the same place together. Nice. Um, but what about the scientists? What about the quantum physicists? What about the people who are going both, you know, those who go the farthest out into, the, into space mm-hmm. and the, those who go into the smallest parts of space? What do they find? Something incomprehensible. Yeah. It's almost a, either way you go. It's almost a circling back around of, um, you know, the the scientific method is going to um, advance our society, and so it, there's almost this religious certainty that exists there. But then you have these people who are mired in this scientific method tradition, much like many of us in here who like go too far into the weeds on the traditions that we came into and and realize, like, no, that's not enough to explain the whole universe. And so you see them circle back around to say, no, the universe is um, is amazing, and we're, I'm going to keep using this scientific method to try and figure it out until that stops working, and then I'm going to use the new information that I have to, like, keep going. But in the meantime, the universe is amazing and mm-hmm. uh, completely... and and. You know, there, there's such a wonder and mystery to it that's that right. um, that speaks to something deep within us. So let me take a slight turn from what I said before and go with, with what you just said. So if we're lucky enough to be able to learn from scientists and mathematicians and, you know, people who do stuff that I can't do, um, but I try to read them sometimes. And when I read about the vastness of space and what they're discovering mm-hmm. in the vastness of space... It blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And they might be talking, this is science. This is not wonder and awe. They're just doing science. And what they're just, when, when, when we get how tiny we are how, and, and how much we don't know and how huge it is, 
for me, that pops me right into that place of wonder and awe. And that's coming from, and, and that might not be where the scientist is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely takes me there. And the same with the people who go into the tiny spaces. Um, and I think about Einstein, who, um, you know, quantum physics was just becoming a thing in his time. And he had a problem with quantum physics because he said, you know, the stuff we can't explain, we can't explain it yet, but, um, but chaos is not possible. <laughs> you know, that was Einstein. You know, he says, you know, there's, there's, there's a God behind this and that God cannot be chaotic. So that was Einstein's limitation. Um, but out of that came, we did get to quantum physics and to, this, I, to these deeper ideas um, that I would say, you know, it would be so wonderful if we could bring Einstein back and show this stuff to him because I, he would still see God in it. He just, you know, he, it was his limitation that he couldn't see God in chaos. But when I, what I was thinking about when I was hearing you talk about your story and hiking at dusk was... I know Heschel's talking about information when he's talking about technology, but I was thinking more maybe concrete. Like right now we're in a room, we're in a building, and we have walls around us, and we can't experience what's outside. Well, thankfully, it's way too cold. zero degrees outside. But, <laughs> but I know that the times that I've had similar experiences hiking and then it's getting dark and you're experiencing that change, right. that every most days it's we get... We're, we're aware that it's light outside and then we're aware it's dark outside and we don't really even think about what's happening. Right. And that sense of what that fear and awe are so close to each other maybe and that the technology, one kind of technology is our structures and the way we've built things up around mm-hmm. ourselves to protect ourselves from the environment but at the same time it limits us from experiencing those those incomprehensible things. And that's, right. that's one of the, you know, especially if you compare it to what we imagine you know, centuries ago, how Native Americans lived or how maybe today still nomadic tribes around the world live where they're more in touch with their environment and they might experience dusk on a daily basis. Can I say two things mm-hmm. about that? One is, um, so I was using it as a walking meditation and I was paying very close attention to the change of the light. And if it was getting that dark before I got to the top, I would have turned around sooner. And you're absolutely right. In my normal day, do I notice how long that shift yeah. takes? Absolutely not. Um, and every religious tradition has prayers for sunset mm. and sunrise. So that's, you know, circling back around, it's like, so we could use those, tra- you know, and the, the Jewish prayer at sundown, uh, you know, when the stars start to come out, is we give thanks for the, for the rolling away of the light and the rolling in of darkness and that cycle. You know, and the, and the, and and God ordering the stars and the seasons and all of that. So, what's for me? What's cool is like if I didn't have that experience outdoors, the prayers wouldn't mean as much to me. Yeah. But by by having the experience outdoors, when I'm in a building saying those prayers, I can I connect in a deeper way. Let me add one other thing, which um, my friend and colleague Rabbi Jamie Korngold, a little advertisement for Adventure Rabbi in Boulder. Um, Jamie in um, I think it's in one of her two books. Um, one, the first one is God in the Wilderness, and the second one is The God Upgrade. Uh, I think it's in God in the Wilderness. Um, she describes Moses walking through the desert, and there's the burning bush. If she had her earphones in listening to her podcast, I'm sorry, if Moses had his earphones <laughs> in and was listening to his podcast, 
Would Moses have noticed mm-hmm. the burning bush? <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of crazy. <laughs> and that's not exactly how she describes it, but it, it's like, you know, if he if he had his cell phone, if he had his, you know, and now back then she would have said her, his Blackberry or something, but, you know, if he had had... So I, I when I read Heschel on, on information, what I'm thinking is... How, you know, I have a 14-year-old now who, unfortunately, a friend basically gave her an iPhone a few years ago, and it's been hell ever since. Um, it's like, but even for, you know, how many of us can put our phones down? Yeah. How many of us can shut them off for an extended period of time? So, and, and that, and, and if I'm on my phone, I don't want to, I don't need to go for a hike. I'm very occupied right here. I don't need to pray. I'm, I'm very occupied right here. So I... I don't think it's the kind of information you're describing in terms of science and, and knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think he's talking, I think Heschel's talking about this sort of flood of information, which he had no idea how bad yeah. it was going to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I mentioned this last week, there's, a, there's a, a small movement within the Jewish community to unplug on Shabbat, mm-hmm. the, the basically 24, 25-hour period from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. Um, as a spiritual practice, and by the way, you can do it too. <laughs> you don't have to be Jewish to do this one. But just try unplugging for 24 hours. Try unplugging for four hours and, and see what that's like. Um, and, 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 but, but don't just sort of go, don't feel bad about it. Okay, so I'm not on my phone. What am I going to do that's going to make my life worthwhile? Because remember, he says life without wonder is not worth living. So, uh, frankly... I don't want to go into, yes, I'm sure you could, I can find something on my phone that's wonderful. Um, but I think we all, you know, if I have a, if I want to preach about something here tonight, I want to preach that we, un, that we find times to unplug. If you want to use the Jewish thing of Shabbat, sundown Friday, sundown Saturday, fine. If you just want to pick an evening a week, a day a week, an afternoon a week to unplug and figure out, so what am I going to do now to make my life worthwhile? Maybe, maybe I'm going to play, maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to hang out with a teenager. Maybe I'm going to play with a child. Maybe I'm going to go for a hike. Maybe I'm going to sit and read. Maybe I'm going to do a painting. Maybe I'm going to play my guitar, whatever it is. But, but Arthur Waskow, again, Rabbi Arthur Waskow said many years ago that the concept of rest with the cycles of the Sabbath is one of the greatest gifts the Jewish people gave the world. So I want to officially, in case you haven't gotten the notice yet, that invitation is there for everybody. Rest. Take time out. So maybe speak to the, I mean, one of the things that um, that Heschel uh, really brought to my life is exactly what you're talking about, is um, this idea of, of Sabbath. And um, he, he talks about um, how, you know, God is not found in space, but in right. time, it, you know, right. he calls it eternity. Very good. In dis- he read the Sabbath. I, I have. <laughs> <laughs> he calls it eternity in disguise, and um, which I, I think was really moving. But I wonder, kind of, what the mm-hmm. if you could speak to kind of the the philosophical underpinnings of that. Like, you know, how does how does this time thing? How does how does me being at rest as a physical being? that lives and breathes and has to eat and has to, you know, go to the bathroom and has to mm. sleep and all these things. Um, how does that connect me to the divine? Wow. Um, well, I got two t- very different things from what you just said. <laughs> um, so I want to come back to what Heschel describes as a, 
a holy space and time. Um, but maybe I should start with the second thing, which is how does how does rest connect me with God? You know the way to say it. Um, I had a friend, his name's Jim, whose mission statement was, my mission is to be a human being, not a human doing. That word for God, the yod heh vav heh is the word for being. Mm. It is a God-given miracle, all the stuff we can do. And we are human beings. Um, I can show you that if you... Um, uh, several people, I learned this from Rami Shapiro and Reb Zalman. If you take the yud and the hay and the vav and the hay and you put them vertically one over the other, you have a head, um, an upper body, a spine, and a, and, and a lower body. We are being. We are images of God, literally using the, using the Hebrew language there. So for me to be, how it puts you in touch with God is you get in touch with being a human being, Mm. not a human doing. It's great that you can do stuff, but if that's all you do, you lose your sense of your own divinity, I'm afraid. So it's one of the reasons, one of the great gifts to, um, to Judaism in the last half a century has been the, um, the bringing of Buddhism and meditation practice to the West. Um, and um, and in, most ca- in, in many cases, stripping away, actually, the religious accoutrement of Buddhism to just bring meditation to the West, to everybody. Judaism, like all traditions, I believe, had contemplative tr- practices and traditions that one way or another got largely lost. It's been brought back, our own meditation practices have been brought back to us by the Buddhists, which is fabulous as far as I'm concerned. It's not a bad thing. Um, so for me, it is, it's, it's become a critical part of my spiritual practice to, to meditate. Um, and, and I love going back and finding it in my Jewish tradition. The, the Mishnah teaches that um, the rabbis, you know, the ancient rabbis would prepare for an hour before prayer. Well, what do they do for an hour before <laughs> prayer? doesn't say, but what do you think? Argue. Argue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was after prayer. <laughs> exactly. Can we end with this last quote of Heschel and this could take us another hour? Who knows? But this is a fantastic <laughs> quote. And he says that the meaning of awe is to realize that life takes place under wide horizons. Horizons that range beyond the span of an individual life or even the life of a nation, a generation, or an era. Awe enables us to perceive in the world intimations of the divine, to sense in small things the beginning of infinite significance, to sense the ultimate in the common and the simple, to feel in the rush of the passing the stillness of the eternal. So how much of our oh, Western individualism, right, and this Western faith that we've all inherited because we live here, hinders this, this all that Heschel's speaking of? That's your question for me? Yes. <laughs> and then how do we transcend that? Because it's, it's the world we live in. We can't get away from that. Just like we can't get away from the iPhone. Right. <laughs> we can't. We can turn it off. Um, you know, I might not be able to turn my mind off, but I can turn my phone off. Yeah. Um, it's a hyper individualism. 
Well, but what you were just quoting was about the ability to sense the eternal in the moment. The ability to sense, you know, I'm without looking at the quote, to, to, sense, to sense infinity in small things. So my question is, do you feel it in church? I hope so. Not usually. Yeah. <laughs> I hope in church, synagogue, wherever you have a moment that you feel that. A moment. It might be a word of prayer that takes you to that place. Um, it might be um, in just hearing this. It might be in sort of just sitting back and listening and hearing the sounds. It might be in the person that you're sitting next to and realizing, wow, I'm really lucky to be interacting with this person. Yeah, that's, that one resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to end with a joke. but <laughs> <laughs> So your question, though, is about how do we not lose that in our contemporary world? So if, if this moves... If this is beyond the individual and beyond the nation, this trend, mm. this this sense of awe, because right. I, f- I feel like in in a way this this awe brings us all back to very Western, modern, me centric, mm-hmm. um, and, and I would I would even say that um, a lot of the heritage um, around even at this table here was all about your personal salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Your personal connection to right. Jesus or God. Or, right. But this this uh, quote, to me, it seems that Heschel was saying, this moves, yes, it's about you, but it moves beyond you. Absolutely. Yes. So I don't have an ultimate answer to this. I'd love to think about it some more. But my sense is that what we're doing here right now with this podcast, with this whole Denver pub theology thing, which is so possibly bringing together a lot of different people, different ages and different backgrounds together. It's like we have to be able to open ourselves up to to broader horizons than the ones that we would naturally just sit in. You know, I think about, you know, when I go to, you know, conferences or big meetings or whatever, and you know a few people, and it's tempting to just sit with the people you know. And it's like, and I have to, and I have to force myself as Steve, do not just sit with the people you know meet some other people, go sit somewhere else. So I, all I can say is keep pushing the boundaries. Keep looking for God beyond the boundaries. Because if we're all in God, there's nowhere you're going to go that's not God. So keep looking for God beyond, beyond any boundaries you can imagine. Whether they're about religion, whether they're about people, whether they're about nature, whatever it is, um, Take care of yourself. You are an image of God. You know, we are all created according to Genesis and the image and likeness of God. So you need to treat yourself that way. Take care of yourself and notice it in others and notice it around you. Um, but I do have to end with a joke because that's please. I was hoping you stole it. So so uh, so Sam and 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 uh, and and uh, Joe went to synagogue together. Um, and uh, Joe likes to, Joe is into intense prayer and Sam's not. And so somebody asked, asked Sam, you know, so what are you guys doing in synagogue? And he says, well, we come together because Joe wants to talk to God and I want to talk to Joe. <laughs> 
Yes, that's why I go to church. I do. I want to talk to Joe. <laughs> Thank you. This is awesome. You guys are Thank doing you. great stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And if anybody out in the uh, you know the interwebs want to reach you, do you have an email, or do you want to keep that one personal? Um, well, if you go to um, it's 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 in redevelopment at the moment, so there's not current information on there yet, but it'll come back in the next month or two. Um, but if you go to wisdomhousedenver.org, you can find my contact information. Great. Awesome. And if you are in Denver. Um I think we'll have to have you out again. Yeah. So we'll yeah. have to. I just want to, you know, I saw this Hanukkah. Oh, yeah. The, the, rogue, the rogue one. Because, you rogue know, it's Hanukkah. comes out on the same day. I figured that's a perfect title. It comes out on December 20th. Well, no, the actual, the next, the next uh, theology gathering that we have is, yeah. Okay. You know, the night that Star Wars comes out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. A right. bit before Hanukkah, but still. But Rogue One and Hanukkah, and <laughs> and you guys are asking great questions about you know what's it like for non-Jews to relate to this story. And yeah. so like, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, cheers, everybody. Yeah. Cheers. cheers. <laughs>